Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is September 16th, and our reading comes from Galatians chapter 2. Again, in the book of Galatians, Paul is defending the gospel. He wants everybody to understand that we are made right with God by grace, through faith, plus nothing. So he's continuing that theme. This is chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. He says this, Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. Now, one thing I think we have to be careful about is most of us in America didn't grow up with the Jewish law and the traditions and all that all that kind of went with that. He's not saying here that he died to morality and that that doesn't matter and ethics doesn't matter and you can kind of do whatever you want to, right? That's, that's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is, I've died to all of this religion and instead I'm trusting in Jesus. In other words, I'm no longer trusting in what I can do to be made right with God, to earn favor or a position with God. I'm trusting what Jesus did on my behalf. And then listen to this famous verse. He says, verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I died when Christ died. It's no longer I who live, but Christ is living in me. So this life I live in my earthly body. I do it by trusting in the Son of God. I'm trusting God who loved me and gave his life for me. I'm trusting that God is going to not only make me right, but he's going to continue helping me grow and become more and more like Jesus, his son. Verse 21, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. In other words, if we could earn favor with God, if we could earn our way into a relationship, if we could earn our way into heaven, why did Jesus need to come? No, Jesus came because we couldn't earn our way in, and he came to do for us what we could not do. Now watch this. In chapter 3, he gives, gives two great examples that help us to understand his argument. Beginning in verse 2, he says, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? He says, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard. Now let me pause right there. This is such an important thing. Sometimes in the American church, we get the impression that certain Christian leaders have more of the Spirit or they're more spiritual, and it must mean that they're way closer to God and, and, and they've behaved so much better than us. Well, what Paul is saying right here is that all of that's a work of grace. In other words, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in me as a pastor and in you as a follower of Christ and a church member. You don't have to be a pastor or be on a stage or have some title to walk with God and have the fullness of His Spirit living in you. And we have that not because we've done something to, to earn it. We have it by faith. Now, I will say this. As we walk with Jesus over time, 
and we grow in our capacity to live in his presence, to follow his leading, to hear his voice as he is forming his life and nature in us. It is true that we progress in our faith and we become more like Christ, but that's not true because we did some work that we should boast about and feel better and superior and look down on others. No, we've just been walking with God longer. And the truth is, the longer you walk with God, the more you realize it's it's God, it's not me. And it doesn't produce pride, it produces humility. So one good way to understand whether or not we're experiencing the gospel, is there a growing measure of pride or growing measure of humility in your life? So when we understand the gospel, when we understand it's about what Jesus has done and what he is doing in me, then my progress in the faith doesn't produce pride. It produces humility because I realize the truth is God is doing stuff in me that I was never able to do, that I failed to do, that I know is not natural for me. And so it produces this humility and gratitude that God is actually transforming my heart. That is such a beautiful thing. So pride is an indication that we've slipped away from the gospel and we've gone back to works and religion and what we can do. And sometimes the truth is that feels good. It strokes our ego a little bit. But a growing humility indicates that we understand, no, it's what Christ has done and is doing in us. And then he says this, another great example. He says, let me ask you this. Does God, verse 5, give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So again, sometimes we think that there are certain people that are super spiritual and they're going to pray and God's going to do something when they pray that he wouldn't do when I pray. I just think that's hard to defend when we read what Paul is describing here. He says, no, miracles are are a, a kiss of grace. Because God loves you and is trying to show you his love and favor and blessing. It's not because you've been morally or religiously or spiritually superior. It's because God is gracious and generous and wants to bless you. Now, let me say this. It is true that as we walk with God over time, and grow in our capacity to live in his presence, grow in our capacity to to hear his voice. What does happen is it's easier for us to discern when God is saying yes or asking us to pray for a miracle. So sometimes we join God more frequently in what he's already intending to do. But it's not true that I'm real spiritual now and it's like I've got more prayer bucks in my pocket. And when I want something, I've got more prayer bucks to pay with than the next guy. No, no, no. But as I walk with God in humility, there is a growing awareness of what God's doing around me. So I am praying in agreement. I'm joining into what I sense God is doing. And when that happens, I see more answered prayer. But it's not because I've earned something that you don't have. I'm just growing in my capacity to stay in step with Jesus. And as you grow in your capacity to stay in step with Jesus, then you see more yeses to your prayers because God is working to change what you're praying for. 
you get to this place where what's really in your heart is to do whatever honors and pleases Jesus because you don't want to lose his presence. You don't want to grieve the spirit. You want to stay close to him. I love that. So then finally in verse 9, he says this, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Now think about Abraham. (laughs) Oh man, Abraham is the father of our faith. And God made him these incredible promises and really blessed Abraham, made him into a great nation, an uncountable number of descendants, right? We're all children of Abraham. Now watch this. God blessed Abraham because of his faith, not because of his works, not because of his righteousness. You remember Abraham? He sleeps with his servant Hagar, not his wife, commits adultery, has Ishmael, Then when his wife complains, kicks her out of the house, right? He lies a couple of times. I mean, the truth is Abraham's not such a stand-up guy. He's a pretty ordinary guy. He's not exactly what you would, if somebody was making up or writing a book about faith, you, you wouldn't describe your heroes this way. But here's the father of faith who God blessed and did lots of miracles in his life. Why? Because he believed God because of his faith. And that's what Paul's inviting us into, a faith journey with Jesus, where we trust him to do in us what only he can do. Will you trust him? Can you believe that the message is this good, that God loves you this much, that God is so generous in offering you so much? This is the gospel message. Open your heart to it. Let me pray for you, Father. I pray that we would all let this really sink in, that it's by faith we can open our heart and receive your grace and generosity and presence and love, your spirit in us, to produce your life in us, to allow your power to flow through us. God, we just open our hearts to receive it today. We trust you. We're asking you, God, do in me what only you can do. Do what I've been powerless to do. God, transform me from the inside out. God, heal my heart. Build my character. Give me vision for my life. Help me to love and to serve the people around me. Help me to represent you and your kingdom everywhere I go. God, give me open doors to share the gospel message, to point people to Jesus, to help people discover a relationship with you that's based on simple, childlike faith. God, help us to do that, Lord. We love you. Thank you for being so good and generous to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me today, man. Hope this encourages you. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.